Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary, a podcast about documentaries you should watch, obviously, with your host, Adam Todd Brown, Jess McDonald, and Ron Rock. Hey everybody, welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. Hello. Hi. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm on rock. I'm Jess McDonald. We're your hosts, and the dog is getting the fuck out of here. Goodbye, Bye. puppy. How's everyone doing? Since we recorded last like five minutes ago, why, why, why keep up that facade? Yeah, I'm sad because the puppy walked away. Yeah, the dog so, left. I was good. And the air was sucked out of the room. So this is going to be a boring podcast. We're sorry. None of us are feeling it. Today we are covering the push. Let's get right into it. <laughs> We are covering The Push, which is a Netflix documentary centered around or starring a guy named Darren Brown. No relation. He is, according to Wikipedia, he is an English mentalist and illusionist governor. His television debut was a show called Darren Brown Mind Control. So if that gives you any idea what this guy gets up to. He basically does social experiments and tries to get people to do things by through manipulation and all sorts of different tactics. But I think it is important to note before we get into this that people know this guy, like especially right. in England where this show was where this documentary was filmed. People know this guy and what he does and what his shows are about. Yeah, he has a whole bunch of celebrities on his different shows and, and things. He's friends with The Hobbit. Who? Uh, Martin Freeman. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in the documentary for a moment. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I like The Hobbit, okay? <laughs> I've he never also seen knows it. Stephen Fry, my favorite author. He also knows Matt Lucas, who follows me on Twitter. Wow. So... <laughs> I guess that's the podcast for today. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> I just wanted to get that in and mentioned. But the push, basically, it's an experiment to see if you can get a random stranger, kind of, to commit murder in the span of about an hour and a half. That's how long it takes, approximately, for the events in this. The documentary is really short. It's only like yeah. an hour and eight minutes so probably less than an hour and a half uh, for the events to unfold. So that that's what this is about, is about if they can get a person to literally push someone off a roof and kill them. Same day you meet, which that's a tall order. I don't Yeah, that know. seems like really excessive to me. I feel like maybe an acquaintance for a year. Yeah. And it, it it sets it up really well. Like, as soon as I heard that premise, I was in. Like, right. I, I wanted to know how this was going to happen and what it was going to look like. What did everyone think of the compliance tests that they put people through first? When they had people seated and they just pressed a bell. And yeah. there were three actors. And every time they heard the bell, they stood up. And every time they, right. yeah, they'd sit down the next time they heard it. So they started with three actors. And then they had other people that were coming in for casting for the show and they would see if these people would follow the actor's cue and i think all of them followed except for one person yeah they they showed one woman who didn't right what do you do you think you would have you know what this this is it's so interesting to me because i don't know 
See, I think I, you know. You think you know yourself. You can be like, oh, yeah, I would never do that. Yeah, but then would I? I don't know. See, I think I wouldn't. I think would I, I just be like, oh, right is this away. what we're doing? I I think I would have asked, been like, what's the deal with this? Is this part of it? Or yeah. right? Did did they tell us to do this? I would have asked. I, I would have been suspicious of the fact that the actors are already sitting in a clump together at the end of the row, and yeah. then they're doing it. I'd have been like. That's weird. I'm just going to sit and fill out my paperwork. Yeah, I've been running through in my head which hosts on the network would and wouldn't stand. And I feel like I wouldn't. I was unsure about Monrock, and I still am. <laughs> well, Monrock is unsure. I'm unsure about Monrock. Who isn't unsure about Monrock? <laughs> Chet Wilde would stand for sure. Yeah. Carrie Martin would stand. Caitlin Cut would not. Beyond that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who the other hosts are. I, I honestly don't like any of you. It's just... Uh, I, I don't I, think Connor would stand. No, probably not. Yeah. It'd be interesting. We should do it sometime. I want to... How do we do it without it? Wait, we're the actors. Out. Psychological experiments. I conduct them. You go through them. Who's in? I'm in. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Maybe we are compliant. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you just failed the first part. Very well done. So yeah, that's how they pick their first initial group of people for this experiment which i think is important because at the end uh he says one line which well i mean he's they say a lot of things at the end but the one line that stands out from the end of this documentary is most people did it and i feel like that's a little misleading because i, I know why he says that to the people oh yeah i know to make them feel better yeah because i we'll How talk would, about that yeah later, we'll get, but, we'll yeah. get there <laughs> But it, he's also, it's kind of implying, like, they don't ever say it, but it kind of implies that, oh, yeah, most people would, and no. No, you pick out the most compliant people out of a group of people who already signed up to do a thing, and then right. you carry out the test. That's, you, yeah. you picked a very specific sample group. So they, they tell us that there's four people. I liked this a lot. They do that horror movie thing where they introduce a bunch of characters at the beginning and then a bunch of them disappear, and at the end they come back, and you're like, yeah. oh, shit! <laughs> They're still in the house! <laughs> and that definitely happens with this, because they introduce four people. Mm-hmm. And but they, they they show one guy throughout the right. documentary. They, follow they select one. One yeah. guy named Eric. And Eric shows up to a charity event. He's there to like make business connections and schmooze with people he and his business partner go and as soon as he gets there they start this experiment which is basically each little step is like a a compliance test they call it and each one gets bigger and bigger and it starts with them asking him to put flags that say vegetarian into hors d'oeuvres that have meat in them and he does it, no problem. And he does it. See, I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm a yeah, vegetarian, I would do that. so I, I would do that. I would do that before I would <laughs> <laughs> mark them separately. See, I'd be like, let's just make these all vegetarians because fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and right before they do that, they have his business partner, who's also in on it, come in and take his phone. He's like, there's an emergency. I need your phone. And... That's important because after the the things that happen next, if he did have his phone, this all could have been over really quick. Right. But that also would have been my excuse to get out of there. The minute they were like, 
and not even from an ethical, no, I don't want to put vegetarian flags in these hors d'oeuvres. I just don't want to help. Like, I have a job and it's not this. So at that point, I would have been like, I got to go find my phone. Sorry, dude. I will see you at the auction. But Eric goes along with it. Right. Yeah, but also in England, everything's kind of B-list. You know, you've got the CEOs also plating the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. I think that's just part of the culture there. (laughs) Yeah, that... that... That part, because the person doing all that was supposed to be the one organizing this event, yeah. but he's also like arranging the food and yeah. shit. And it's like he didn't hire yeah. caterers yeah. or anything. Yeah, there were things. That would have that would have set me off initially. I, I would have questioned that. And see, I one thing I think would have set me off is knowing just a few weeks before you had responded to a casting call for a Darren Brown TV show. Darren Brown, the guy who puts people through insane experiments on television just to see what will happen. And now a few weeks off of that, you're in this situation. I feel like at some point it would have clicked. Nah, and I most, been, nah, most people don't put two and two together. No, like they definitely that. did yeah, not. <laughs> so they basically put him through a series of compliance tests, they call it. And the first one is just the hors d'oeuvres. And then it's like carry stuff, like no. Then it uh, then they asked him to get a, a glass of champagne. Yep. Right. And then they asked him to carry that guy's bag. Yep. Yeah. So just to see if he would be, you know, submissive. And he was he was a beta type anyway. I well, mean, they set, they set yeah. him up for failure too by not specifying that it was a formal event. So he was just in his like button down shirt. Like he still looked relatively nice, but you had people in full suits, and so like he already they, it, it was on purpose. They were trying to make him feel weird and out of place yeah. by being underdressed for the occasion. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really. It was a fascinating experiment. A lot of people raised questions about whether it was necessarily ethical. I mean, it definitely was not ethical. <laughs> cool. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it was ethical at all. He did put the only thing that comes to mind for me in terms of was this ethical is these people did know what they were signing up for. They didn't know the specifics, but when you sign up to be on this guy's show this is what it would be like going on fear factor and then being like it's not ethical to make me eat worms it's like dude you've seen fear factor that's what happens you agreed to be on the show so there is that right that the people had to at least have some sense and there what's fascinating to me is the things they don't tell us in this documentary one of the things we don't know is what did these people sign that first day when they first responded to that ad, because I I have to imagine there was something in there to the effect of, okay, the show could be starting right now, and you don't know. Right. And at that point, be on guard a little bit. Things start looking weird. It, does everyone remember Beyonce on Punked? Yeah. She got halfway through that and was like, that tree's going to fall. You motherfuckers are pranking me. What is this? And it's one of my favorite moments. She was like, no, that's okay. Yeah, the tree fell. All right, where's the cameras? Like, I feel like these people should have been a little on guard I think, for that. Didn't he tell them that they weren't selected, though? Or did I make that up yeah, in my mind? Yeah, he told them that they, they, they said, sorry, you didn't make it. Right. You can go home. So well, I feel like that. Yeah, they were released. That doesn't was... matter. And who reads what they sign anyway? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. 
these people probably should people have. People just want to be on TV. They're not thinking about things like that. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the other things they don't tell us is, like this first guy, Eric, we know he's there kind of to make business contacts, and like that kind of implies uh, money, you know, make more money for the business. They don't really delve into what his motivation was for following along with all this, because it... It's one thing to follow along with putting vegetarian flags and hors d'oeuvres and shit like that. But then at one point, this guy, Bernie, who is supposed to be the benefactor for this charity that they're there to meet, apparently has a heart attack. And that's when things get uh, really crazy. This they, they start trying to get this guy. The first thing they do is they uh, try to get him to move the body. Mm-hmm. And he does. They, they move the body from the ballroom to this back kitchen area. And then they uh, want him to put the body in what basically looks like a coffin, but it's just a long wooden box. And he does that. So at that point, for me, I started questioning what his external motivations were. Yeah, and, I mean, you would only, one would think you would only go along with this stuff if if you were going to win like fifty million dollars. Right. Yeah. The end. Right. Not. I mean, I would just Cause walk I, out. Right. I would go find my phone. My friend yeah. is somewhere in the building with my phone. Why am I not going to find him and get it back? Like, you're just there yeah. to network. Watch I mean, more true crime. Like, why are you? Why are you and moving you're somebody's hide a body? Dead body. Right. You're, yeah. For something that you just attended just to make contacts. Right. There's and, not enough at stake. Right. And I I feel like that's like they just well it's not that I feel like they didn't they just don't tell us that. Right. Like there's obviously with all of these people I kind of think they focused on Eric because when they they do eventually show all four people and they show clips from what their experience was like and I feel like if we saw those other three people we would probably come away from it like mm, I hope they got murdered at some point too because they seem like real shitheads because when they cut to the clips of like like at one point they want Eric to kick this guy's body to make it look like he fell down the stairs and died and Eric's like no I'm not gonna no I'm just not gonna do that and Darren was so displeased by that yeah he was like maybe he's not gonna push this man off a building it's like good right isn't that what we want but then at the end, they show the other three people, and every single one of them just kicks the shit out of the guy. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. And I feel like that would have, it would have made this a different documentary to see people just really going for it. Like, yeah, let's fucking murder him. Right. Sounds great. So I, I kind of liked that approach. But even with those people also, you don't hear what they're, like, there's something else going on with all these people beyond just being compliant right that they i feel like they felt there was going to be some payoff at the end for them being there and i would be interested to know what all that was that would make it a little more unethical i think to be like oh yeah this guy's got gambling debts like you would not fucking believe i don't know they also are british they only tested this on white british people aka yeah. colonial colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll take over your land and people what makes you think they won't push a dude off a building <laughs> that is a good it's an excellent point yeah <laughs> Yeah, they they do go with How about a, some American immigrants? Throw them in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to see this kind of expanded and done in other areas. 
I wonder if it's even legal in other areas. Cause Probably not. There's stuff like- I had the thought. I was like, I don't think American people would do this. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, there's some that would. Yeah, of course there yeah. are. Yeah, there, there was another really famous experiment in England on television. There's a one of the conspiracy theories around the death of Robert F. Kennedy is that Sirhan Sirhan was basically programmed to start shooting as soon as he saw this one stimulus, which was a woman in a polka dot dress. And Sirhan Sirhan himself says this woman in the polka dot dress, when they walked into the kitchen area where Bobby Kennedy was killed, put her hands on his shoulders, looked in his eyes and said like one word and then spun him around. And he said it looked like he was on a target range and he just started shooting. And on British television, they did a similar experiment in the 80s to see if someone could be programmed to start shooting if you have enough time to spend with them and if you can plant the suggestion and the guy fucking did it was Stephen Fry actually is who the guy they they did this full experiment didn't tell the guy and his end goal was to stand up in the audience of Stephen Fry's show and start shooting at him and they put blanks in the gun but he did it <gasps> like he did that's horrifying it was he was supposed to when he heard a certain ringtone was supposed to uh stand up touch his forehead and then start shooting and this woman in a polka dot dress sits down in front of him her phone this cell phone ringtone goes off and he stands up touches his forehead and starts fucking shooting at Stephen Fry which that's when people talk about how exploitative this is I feel like most reality TV is kind of exploitative like if you watch what just happened on The Bachelor this week with this woman getting like fucking broken up with on live television. It's pretty devastating and it's going to impact her life. And there's no societal benefit at all to seeing that or having it happen, have it happen on television. But something like this, like even the like spoiler alert, a lot of these people murder the dude at the end. Uh, that's... I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> God damn it. But I do feel like these people came away with something a little richer than the normal <laughs> reality show right. experience where they actually come away like, ooh, I need to reexamine my life. How and, are they okay having millions of people know that they are murderers? Right. That's that's the question. And this documentary just They all premiered. seemed, oh, ha, 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 fine, yeah. Oh, a lot of people, he goes, oh, everyone tears. did it. A lot of people did it. And they they just brush it off. Like I would be shaking and in shock. I mean, it I'd almost kind of seemed. Like, I don't want to say it, but it kind of seemed not real. Yeah, yeah. How okay they were? Because I would have just been uh, hysterical. At least one well, some crying of them, and some shaking. Some of them were, but that's the thing. He didn't let that part go on that long. As soon as either. They push the guy or refuse to push the guy. Yeah, but I, as soon as right I was away. told, I would go into immediate rage. Yeah, I think in that moment, like I don't doubt that a lot of these people really regret, even if it was fake, I'm sure a lot of these people regret doing it. Because we, I just randomly pulled up an article as we were starting to record this, and the headline is, people are straight up calling for Darren Brown's The Push contestants to be arrested. 
And this article came out four days ago because this is still a relatively new documentary right. that just premiered on Netflix. And I guess we don't know like the follow up to this story yet and what kind of impact it had for these people. But there probably is going to be some psychological trauma. Yeah, did he set them up with like a, a sweet therapist after? Like, <laughs> like you don't get a prize per se, but you definitely get free therapy for the rest of your life. What if he pushed them off the roof at the end? <laughs> that would be funny. I love the first guy. What was his name again? Eric? Eric, yeah. He goes, no, I'm not going to. Well, then leave. I'll leave. And he just walks off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the and best moment. When that happened, yeah, we're jumping ahead a little, but when that happened, I was so disappointed. I was like, is that how this is going to end? With <laughs> no, him it was not a happy, doing it. It was a happy ending because he was resisting. He really was resisting throughout the entire. Yeah. And we should we should have. Go ahead. He, yeah, no, I'm just saying every step of the way, he was clearly not okay with anything. Uh, he, he tried he to resist. He was sweating profusely. Yeah. Like his face was red. He resisted different things here and there. Yeah, and the, they really put him through a lot. They put all these people through a lot. At one point, they have to pretend to be the guy who died because the the crux of it becomes, well, we have to, this event still has to go on. And like they do like a little heartstrings thing where they're like, it's about the charity this event doesn't go on, we're not going to get the money, and these kids are going to suffer. So that's playing into it for people. And then they have to, like, at one point pretend to be this Bernie guy. And, like, when the women, when it's they're doing it with the women, he's like, Bernie, Bernadette, whatever, people aren't going to know. And they have to, like, go up and give speeches. And it just keeps getting more and more intense to the point where they have this guy's dead body that they've been carting around like weekend at Bernie's in the bottom of a stairwell, trying to make it look like he fell down the stairs and died. And then they go back for him and he's not there. <laughs> and when that happened, I was like, Oh yes, <laughs> this is amazing. Where is he? And you hear him yelling from the roof. And we basically right before that, you find out that this guy has a condition that I don't know if it's real or not. It he sounds like they maybe made it up. Thing, right? But yeah, his wife shows up and is like, "Oh, by the way, give him his pills because he sometimes has an attack and he looks dreadful when it happens." And then he they looks a bit dead, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when it dawns on Eric that this guy has not been dead this whole time. He's just had this attack. And they go back to the body, and it's gone. And they hear him screaming from the roof, and he's already explained this to all of the other staff who are there, all the people working for this charity, and they get him up to the roof, and they really start applying the pressure. Because this guy is screaming about how he's going to sue them. How they're going to go to jail. Yeah. Would they have gone to jail? What? Well, see, that's the thing. Eric didn't kick the guy. Yeah. Right. And that, when you see the other people, that's a point they really stick on with those people. They're like, you kicked him. You're involved in this. Yeah. You're going to go to prison. Right. And Eric was like, I'll go to prison. That's all right. Like, yeah. I'm not going to push this guy. Because they do all these things to set up that at the end, this guy is going to be sitting on the edge of this building smoking a cigarette. Right. Like, he tries to do that in the beginning, and they're like, get down. But now he's all irate and he just wants a cigarette. So now he's sitting on the edge of the building and 
these people, he's got to hear them talking because they're talking loud as shit. But they're having this conversation about, we got to kill this guy. Like, you're going to go to prison if you don't kill this guy. And that becomes the moment. Like, what it all builds up to is, is Eric going to push this guy off the building or not? And he doesn't. Yay. He says all... Yeah, like at one point, they're like, well, if you're not going to do it, then you just have to leave. And it's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm cool with that. That's the altar. I have to leave? That's fine. And he does that. He leaves. And Darren Brown comes out, and he's like, oh, mate, it was just a TV show. Yeah. And I was let down. Apparently, Mon Rock was not. Because uh, I thought that's how it was going to end. And then they remind us there's three other people. And every one of those motherfuckers <laughs> pushed him. Every single one. With little hesitation. Yeah. One guy hesitated. And it's the women. Yeah. It's the two women that pushed pushed him off like NBD. Yeah. I feel like if we had seen those two women's full experience, we'd have been like, fuck these broads. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. hope they get pushed off. The future off is the male. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, three of the four people murder this guy. I mean, he's obviously connected to a harness, and when he falls, he's just like dangling. But they don't know that. Right. They walk up and push the dude. Right. And that's the point where it gets weird for me in terms of this being unethical, because also those people murdered a dude. Right. Like, they had it in their head that, okay, I'm going to commit murder, so I don't go to prison. Yeah. It's hard to feel sorry for them. Like, I know it's, on the one hand, they are going to be scarred for life. Or they right. should be. Or maybe they won't because they're the kind of monsters that will push a motherfucker off a roof. And maybe they can come out of that going, yeah, it was just a game. I'm fine. Because there's obviously a different psychology at work there. Mm-hmm. To where now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they're not going to be that scarred by this. Yeah, maybe they're Or maybe okay. they're not going to be as scarred as they should be. Yeah, I mean, even when they were talking to the camera at the end, they were like, yeah, I learned a lot from this. I'm definitely going to be think, think about what I do before I do it next time. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, you just killed somebody. Right. Yeah. Right. I was surprised there wasn't at least one interview that was just like, oh, my God. I know. What did I do? But right. they were just like, eh. I, that's television. Yeah. Was that a good British accent? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I just feel like all I learned from this is that I, if I ever need to hide a body, I need really compliant friends. But other than that, like, there's no real good takeaway from it from that. Well, except for how easy it is to manipulate people, right? Which I already knew because right. when I was in college, they had these. This is not something I'm proud of. Oh, good. Let's hear it. <laughs> when I used to go to the library, they had these you know, long tables, and then they had booths. Um, and the booths were kind of glassed in and private spaces, and uh-huh. I always wanted to study in there. Um, but they were always taken. So what I would do is i just knock on the door and say, excuse me, I'm, um, I'm a TA. I'm here with my student. We reserve this room. <laughs> uh, and they would immediately just get up and leave, no question, every time. Oh. All right. 
So. Do you want me to edit that out? Oh, no, it's kind of scandalous. And is it? No, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is. I said I'm not proud of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> trying to be vulnerable. Yeah, it's like. The, but that's what the thing is how easy it is to pose as authority. Yeah, do right. people with just have an innate respect for authority? Well, we, I mean, we completely skipped the, the real opening of this documentary, which is a guy. It's Darren Brown and another guy, and they're just standing on the roof across the street from this coffee shop, and the guy just calls the cashier at the coffee shop pretending to be a cop and says, hey, this woman in here is actually a kidnapper, and that baby in that carriage is not her baby, so I need you to separate her from that baby. And in the span of like three minutes, talks this guy into walking out of a coffee shop with a woman's child. Right. Which is legitimately an episode of Law and Order SVU. That is the episode with Robin Williams. Well, the thing is, that episode is based on a real event. Yeah. Which it was, I think it was a Dairy Queen or something like that. But a guy just called a manager at a fast food restaurant and was like, uh, I'm with the FBI and one of your employees has been uh, involved in crimes and we need you to strip search them. And they basically talked this Dairy Queen manager into falsely imprisoning his own employee, uh, subjecting them to all these like really invasive searches. And it was just all for the lulls. It is so easy. It is so easy uh, as someone who has the capability to be very manipulative I am able to do those things. But then <laughs> I also fall for them because when I got a call from the IRS with someone oh <laughs> that had clearly an Indian accent <laughs> telling me that I owed, I don't even know however much, and uh, that I was going to jail and that the cops were on my way to, on, <laughs> on their way to my house. I started hysterically crying, and I called my mom, 33 years old. Oh, God. <laughs> and she was like, this is nonsense. The IRS sends you letters, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get those calls a lot because I'm like, I'm, I've been self-employed or somewhat self-employed for so many years. I got some back taxes. But also, like, I get refunds now, so they just apply that. So I know... As long as you're filing taxes and paying some of it, the IRS, they don't even send you letters at that point, but they're yeah. certainly not going to call me from the Santa Monica courthouse and say authorities are on their way over. <laughs> like when I got that call, I was like, okay, see you soon. Bye. Because that's such bullshit. The IRS is not doing that shit. But that's how scams like that work. Like there are, it's a numbers game. You just have to find those they people were like, are out then there. Then they were like, what's your address? And I was like, one, three, five, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I liked about this documentary is at least there was some, there's something to be learned from it. I think people, the people who should especially watch this documentary are people who hear about false confessions and go, well, who would confess to a crime they didn't commit? Like, a lot of people, and especially when they're in a controlled environment that the authorities around them are controlling. Right. And uh, there was a, a brief, brief one second thought where it was like, now that would be an interesting show. Try to get people to confess to murders. But then when you go back and look at how false confessions work, that's like, 
yeah, it would be fun to lock someone in a room for three days and torture the shit out of them until they believe nothing they've ever said is real. No, that would be awful. That would be a terrible thing to put people through. But it happens. Like, false confessions happen. That's why there's no death penalty in Illinois. Because there were so many false confessions, they're like, we don't know. These people, all these people could be innocent for we know for all we know. And it happens. And I feel like there is always going to be a, a segment of society that has that thought that's like, no, if they did it, they like they wouldn't confess if they didn't do it. But watching something like this makes it pretty clear that people, a lot of average people are really open to some heinous suggestions. Right. If you get them in the right situation. And I think that's a thing worth knowing and exploring and being on the lookout for. Like, what if you're the person who gets the call when you're managing a Starbucks and they're like, hey, go put your finger inside that your other employee. They're stealing apples. I don't know. Because also you're 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 an employee, you know, you're in that zone. So you're obeying orders every day anyways. Yeah, I remember I used to do customer service for a cell phone company, which is the one of the most miserable jobs I've ever had. But I got a call once from a homicide detective who was like, I need phone records. And I was like, I just can't I can't just give you phone records. And he was like, look, son, this is for a murder investigation. And I was like, look, I still can't give you phone records. <laughs> like, I didn't murder the guy. I didn't know him. I don't give a fuck. Go through the court. But I'm sure there are a lot of people who would have been like, oh, OK, I'll send it over right away. Right. And then you're breaking the law. Right. Like, you could go to jail for that. But the people putting you in that position don't give a shit. They just want they want you to agree. Right. And make things easier for them. And it just it seems like a thing we should all be aware of. Like, have your head on a swivel. Don't get talked into pushing a philanthropist off a roof. If you can avoid it. I think we could all avoid that specific situation. Don't give money to your friends stuck in Nigeria. Yes. What? I've never done that. Why not? No. Oh. That's how, that's how I'm going to pay my rent. <laughs> like, I've been scaling back on podcasts so I can focus on this thing I got going on. And it sounds, all right, we'll talk about it, I guess. Yeah, those... Those kind of scams are always fascinating to me mm-hmm. because it's got to just be a numbers thing. Like I even get them now. Like I'll get Facebook friend requests or me- it's messages usually. And it's always just some girl saying like, hey, or hi. And then like you can tell. Right. Like you can tell automatically. And then you go look at the profile and scroll far enough and she just First turns. of all, if a girl is ever saying, hey, or hi, it's a scam. Yes. Yeah, that's my first. Like, whenever Girls someone do not do that, messages ever. me out of the blue. And they're just like, hey. Yeah, whenever you receive a one-word message out of the blue, you should always be a little suspect. I always get, what's up, sweetie? You are looking extra good today. <laughs> How do you know it has that accent if they're Because they spell it? good, G-U-D. <laughs> that's a good point yeah and whenever like those people always if you scroll through their facebook profile long enough they always like just turn into a nigerian dude at some point yeah like all their profile pictures it's like come on try a little bit harder (laughs) but those scams have to be working if the people are still doing people yeah and if you look into the numbers it's like a billion dollar a year thing that they're 
getting money out of people doing this. And it's like, who? Who the fuck are these yeah, cause people? Because I've never met somebody who, do- who does it. No, no. At least not somebody who readily admitted that they sent money to their Nigerian friend. No, no. I've known a... I knew one guy who got scammed trying to sell a dog. He ended up wiring money to the guy who was supposed to Uh. be buying this dog. But also this guy, I know for a fact, had an IQ of like 70, 71. So he was like right on the fucking border. Like he held down a job. He was a supervisor at his job, but also it was like a warehouse job. Right. So he was a functional person, but also... I remember once I told him to type the word system uh, into his laptop and he slid his laptop over to me and was like, you type it. It's like, fuck, man, you're in your 30s. <laughs> so that guy fell for S-I-S-T-E-M. I mean, how hard is it? It's, there's two E's. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There's one at each side of the okay. M. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these people are out there and- as unethical as this documentary certainly is, at least it shines some light on that. And I feel like there's some redeeming qualities. To redeeming, that. yes. Do I still think he might be a sociopath? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely, we didn't see his hands most of the time. He was probably jerking off to a lot of this. <laughs> like, he was just in that dark control room. Like getting really excited when people kicked that dead body. Which, remember that part when they showed how they... Because carrying around a person who's just pretending to be dead is not the same as carrying around a dead body. Am I right? Can anyone attest (laughs) to that? Right. And they show how they did that. They basically sent him back to get the guy's pills and then they swap out the body. But they brought in these like special effects experts to recreate the body and it looked so realistic. It was real creepy and like the part where they were showing her like weaving his hair into his head. Unsettling. When they showed the actor looking at a replica yeah. of himself, I mean, what an experience to have. Yeah, that would be weird. Ugh. I'd have sex with myself. Oh God. What? Well, I was dead. <laughs> Fine. I guess you know. Documentary for a different day, I suppose. <laughs> I'm just gonna let us sit in this awkward silence right now. Just gonna cry and marinate in it. Feel good in it. Marinating in my own tears. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) So, yeah, that's The Push. It's a fascinating documentary. It'll give you some feelings when you watch it. And I don't know, like, I I could go either way in terms of whether this should have even happened or not, uh, whether we should feel sorry for the people it happened to. Like, one thing they have to take some comfort in is knowing they'll never actually be in this situation. Right. I mean, it's not like they walked up to a hundred a hundred people and were like, Hey, that guy's Muslim. Should we should kill him, right? And like fifty did it. Like this was a very stressful, particular situation. Oh, no. I, I'm the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I like the laugh that followed that. That sounded so genuine. <laughs> Hey, I grew up Hindu. It's not my fault. I was so, brain rushed. Long history. Oh, There's some conflict there. So yeah, who knows? The push. Everyone should go watch it for themselves and decide if uh, if you would push that guy off the roof or not to keep yourself from going to jail. Prison does sound awful. 
Yeah, I still wouldn't push the guy. I would have stopped way sooner in the whole thing, though. They wouldn't have picked me, so it's fine. Yeah, I I was surprised that none of the people were at least like, why don't you push him? Right. Why, why don't we draw straws or something? But, yeah, who knows? Interesting show, though. Everyone go watch it. Yeah, it was great. It's really good. <sighs> you should watch this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> you did, did you see what I did there? I saw it. It was really excellent. The work. Na- name of the do- yeah. name of the podcast, and then I said it as like an, a call to action. I need more coffee. And yeah. any plugs, Adam? Oh, you know, uh, I'm going on tour in May. Come, come to those shows. Come to our live podcast, uh, Hollywood Hotel, March 31st, last Saturday of every month, uh, and. You know, what do you got to plug? I did my plugs already on the last episode, so oh. I'm good. Yeah, that's a good point. Jess? I have a new show called Fairytale Menagerie. You should listen to it and stuff. Okay. Uh, I think you plugged that on the last episode Yeah, also. I'm going to keep so, doing it every episode, so. Edit that out, Jess. Please, <laughs> thank you. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Jess, say goodbye. Bye. Mon Rock, push Jess off a roof. Or just say bye. <laughs> Done. You're supposed to say bye. God damn it. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.